Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 787. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing review from the weekend just gone. If this is the first time that you've ever visited us, make sure it's not the last. Subscribe. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. Every single audio feed under the sun is there. Whatever platform you're on right now listening to the show, just pause the show for a second. Hit subscribe. Then you'll never miss out on any of the stuff that's coming back your way. And if you're watching us on YouTube, because we are there as well, you can watch this show. Just pause the video. There you go. Well, you won't know what, if you pause the video, you won't know what I'm about to say. Don't pause the video just yet. Now subscribe. There you go. Get yourself stuck into it uh, and make sure you're coming back day after day, week after week for lots of boxing chat and the lottery numbers. Because that's why you've tuned in, isn't it? Yes, that's right. You've tuned in for next Saturday's lottery numbers. The crystal ball has been out and you're all here to find out when you're going to become a millionaire. Well, I've had a cease and desist letter from Camelot. They know all about our predictions for the world of boxing. And they've said, you boys, do not say nothing about the lottery numbers this weekend. Do not make everybody that is listening or watching the show a millionaire. So I apologise. I know that that's why you tuned in. You all got dead giddy and excited about it. But we're not allowed. We've had a cease and desist letter from them. Just in case you're wondering what he's talking about, he's not actually talking about the fact that I obviously called out Canelo to win on points in my next picks on Friday. That was hardly the greatest bit of fucking insight in the history of the sport. What he is relating to, of course, is the fact that Fury versus Usyk has been signed and is going to Riyadh season. We don't know the specific date, but it's going to Riyadh season. Just like my man here said on last week's show, it's done. Last month's. Last yeah, month's show. Month, sorry. It's Eight. getting done before March. They'll be in the ring. And you were right, bro. You were on the money. Well, they're not there yet. We're, we've just been told that it's been signed. All right. Yeah. Um, Big Francis is in the way. <laughs> come on, he ain't in the way. He ain't in the way at all. They'll have a little yeah. bit of fun. Uh, anyway, uh, what a weird weekend of boxing. Um, I'll throw it. I'll throw. I'll throw it straight out there. My performances of the weekend. I don't know where you're at because we haven't had this uh, pre-chat. But my performances of the weekend: Mario Barrios and Otto Wallen. What say you? Yeah, Otto Wallen was my performance of the weekend because I, I genuinely thought that was a, a, a 55-45 fight in favour of Murat Gassiev. Um And when I watched that performance from Otto Wallen, it was just completely and utterly stick to the game plan, completely regimented and went for it. Don't get me wrong, there was you know standout moments. Canelo Alvarez pissed all over everybody's chips who said this was going to be a really close fight and Charlo's in the fight, which is something we did say. Joe's yeah. in this fight. This is a real fight, kids. Yeah. Canelo and if it had like, turned up, mate, he might have been. He fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is he fuck? Uh, and then, you know, I think on home soil, from a performance which makes you go, fuck, that kid's good. It was Jai Apataya. But obviously, you've got to look at the competition that's in front of them, in front of him, all due respect to uh, Mr. Thompson, who took his shot, man. Took his shot. And you can't knock a kid for that. He took his shot. But I thought Jai Apataya just reminded me to go, okay, you said last week I've only had one decent win. 
But the decent one I have was over the guy who used to be the best in the division. So I'm the best in the division now. He looked the best in the division now. Uh, and exciting that he's, from what I can gather, is going to be based in the UK moving forward because that kid can fight, man. Right, okay. I've got Where do you want to start? Uh, we'll start, start in Vegas, mate. That was the, the biggest thing of the weekend, wasn't it? Canelo yeah. versus Jamel Charlo. We were told it's undisputed versus undisputed history-making <clears throat> fight. This is the one, ladies and gentlemen. Yes! The zone. We commended you last week. Yes, okay. We've, do, we've dug out plenty of broadcasters and, uh, and promoters on this show because we tried to spit it straight. There's no agendas here. We just spit it straight. When you do good stuff, you get praise. When you do bad stuff, you're going to get critiqued. The zone came to our rescue. They gave us the, the, the fight, didn't they? They said, we'll buy it. We'll put it on for the British fight fans. And then after two yeah. rounds, it went missing. What happened? Get your shit. Did you... I don't know how you consume this, mate, but I'm I'm sat there. Right, I'm two rounds in. Okay, maybe Jamel Charlo's going to have a have a bit of a go now because he's getting his ass kicked. Right, let's see what happens. Then all of a sudden, we apologise. We seem to have lost the stream, ladies and gentlemen. Fucking the whole. So I've no idea what happened in round three. None. Didn't see it. <laughs> I still haven't Me seen either. it. <laughs> Came back in the middle of round four. I thought, fucking hell, thank fuck for that. What's happened? Anything? No. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Get your shit together. Yeah. That was disappointing. The, the card itself, though, before we go specifically on the main event, once again, man, PBC delivering the best fights of the year. Yeah. And this will be a bit of a narrative of the show. It tends to be a bit of a narrative of this show pretty much every week where we go, fucking hell, we must do better with these with these fight cards. And maybe, maybe the, the, you know, PBC are obviously fucking delivering now. This is probably the third fight card this year, which has been outstanding. This was outstanding. Um, we are seeing interviews. I seen an interview with Eddie last week where he was like, "Man, we've just got to do better shows. The fighters need to realize that you've got to start taking proper fights. I'm not going to do favors for mates anymore." Okay, man, this is what I like to hear. I'm, I'm going to dig into your show a little bit later. Don't get me wrong, but this is at least a narrative that I'm like, "Yeah, okay, you're getting it now." And obviously, Frank announced that card for Manchester with Nick Ball as the main event, and we were all like, "Why the fuck is Nick Ball main event in Manchester?" But then. He delivers, he announces seven fights for it and all seven actual fights. And I'm like, okay, this is a step in the direct in the right direction, too. So maybe, maybe PBC have, are taking the threat of UFC delivering 12 fight cards with 12 actual fights on it seriously, and are now producing cards like this that we can actually enjoy from start to finish. And I did. You know, I can't remember the last time I watched an international show. Okay, it was Sunday lunchtime. It, it was after the kids' clubs and all that. I was like, right, I'm settling in now. Because it wasn't just about fast-forwarding to Canelo. It was about, I want to digest this whole card. Some great fights in there. And there's some great performances, as you say. Mario Barrios' performance of his life. Fucking loads of controversy with Ramos and Lubin. We'll come back to that. One of two judges that make Nick's list from this weekend. And then, what you got like Frank Sanchez on there. You got Alaya Garcia on there. You got that new kid who looks like the future of like, that uh, Kermel Morton, who Floyd's saying is going to be the next pay per view star in all of sports. Like, it was a proper show. Really good. Crescended with a fight that was undisputed versus undisputed. And Jamel, mate, I said to me preview last week, I was like, Jamel might need Jamal in there with him to help him land anything on Canelo. And that's what it looked like. He just didn't. He just didn't have a go, did he? He didn't have a go. So disappointing, man. It takes it takes two to tango, as we always oh, say. Uh, and sadly, only one person wanted to have a fight on Saturday night. 
Charlo just did not want to know. And that is so disappointing because you've spent such a long period of time out the ring. You've been mouthing off, saying, I can beat him. I want him. Bring him to me. And all you really wanted was a payday. Yeah. He spent, he spent the majority of that fight. In fact, all of that fight, I'd say, more concerned about becoming an internet meme than trying to take the crown. That's what it felt like to me. And he just, there was an exchange in the in round number five where I thought, okay, here we go. The, right, come on then. He got bollocked at the end of round number six. He got dropped in round seven, and then he disappeared. Didn't see him again. That was it. Yeah. End of the fight. That's what he took like I said, it was survival mode then. He was just navigating the fight. And we say it, elite fighters know how to navigate a fight and not get knocked out. And that's exactly what he did. He'd accepted accepted defeat in the middle of that fight. In fact, he probably accepted defeat at the start of that fight. That's what it looked like. He turned up more concerned about, I'm not getting knocked out here because you're not making me an internet meme. I'll just cost this. I'll take my door and then I'll clear off back down to 154. He conned all of his fans. He conned the boxing public, conned everybody. Just turned up, navigated it, took his check and cleared off. Highly, highly disappointing. But isn't that something we've seen before, though? Oh, he's not on his own. Plenty the, the of people, plenty of people do it. Of course. But don't and... don't talk the talk as much as he has talked over the last two Correct. three years about this specific guy, and then do that. Yeah, that's poor, man. I watched um, I watched the the what's it called? An embedded show. Talking about it last week. I watched all the build up to access. it last week. All access. I watched that all access, all the episodes back to back to back last week before uh, I did Nick's picks and before I wrote the column. And I realized now in the aftermath that a lot of the reason why I was like, this is a fight, man. This is he's coming to fight this kid. This is going to be a real fight for Char- yeah. I think a lot of it was on the back of Charlo and his team convincing me. In fact, I spoke about it with you on Thursday in the preview show. I was like, mate. Honestly, Derek James, Juan Guzman, like they've got something going on there and they're talking the talk and they're walking the walk and blah, blah, blah. I was like, he's going to go for it, man. This is going to be a real fight. He's fat. And he did have the movement, Charlo. He did have that movement moving around, everything else. But Canelo just stalked him. And when Charlo had to switch it up, when he had to do something different, when he had to change the game plan, he had nothing in him. And then eventually, obviously, Canelo hits him with a good right hand. He takes a knee, which is intelligent. But in that moment of taking the knee, he also took the, the easy way out of the fight. Yeah. In that moment, he made the decision, I'm not going to get knocked out. I'm never going to win. I ain't getting knocked out. It got to the point even, I think I give Charlo two rounds. I give him one of the early rounds. And I give him something like nine or something like that. And I think it was just because Canelo just walked. let him come on a little bit and was like, oh, yeah, go on. I'm getting tired now. Why don't you open up a little bit? And Charlo had a bit of success. I think it was round nine. And it was literally just to try and get him to open up. And then when Canelo put put his foot down again in the next round, Charlo just got back on his bike then and was just running away. And you're like, mate, this is this is the you told me, never mind what I'm saying. In the build-up, you've been saying this is the moment, this is the Charlo takeover, this is when we run boxing, this is you know the moments I've been waiting for. We both signed a golden boy when we were younger, it didn't happen then. It's finally happening now. I'm gonna prove to the world. And if there was ever a time to go at Canelo, it was after two, let's be honest, relatively flat performances. Certainly last time out against John Ryder. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Canelo looked a lot sharper, a lot more switched on, a lot more aggressive, perhaps, than he did against John Ryder. But still, you know, t- sometimes we look back and 
you look back and you're frustrated at say the the Cam Smith performance when you're like Callum just didn't go for it, he just didn't open up, he survived. Charlo just survived, and then you know we often poke fun at Billy Joe Saunders for getting chinned and getting and having to quit. But then the argument might be, well, at least Billy Joe fucking had a go. At least he threw everything at it. Okay, he got stopped. So what? He threw everything at it. He, at least yeah. he got out the ring and went. Hey, mate, I'm here, I can't, mate. I'm here, yeah. can. Correct. Stepped up ridiculous amount of weights. Had a go. Got nailed, yeah. but had a go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... Listen, I don't want to take too much away from Canelo because, as you right. rightfully said, right, his front foot pressure is yeah. ridiculous. But what he does is truly, truly beautiful. He's one of, I can't think of anybody else who counterpunches off the front foot like that. It's it's unbelievable what that guy does. He he draws you into doing things that you don't want to do, and then bop, he's got you. He's yeah. he's worked to the body. Everything about him, he's so accurate. He's a spiteful bastard, as we all know. He's he's an all time great. We are watching an all time great. Is what we are Correct. doing. And okay, we're do, we're digging out Charlo. He he may have always have been getting beat because the level of Charlo and Canelo might just be too much. But yeah. we'll never know because he never had a go. He ne he never truly had a go in that moment. He w I personally think he wasted the opportunity. But he might think, well, hang on a minute. I've got fucking, what, $5 million here? So have I wasted it? Yeah. And he hasn't lost his four belts at, like, middleweight either. Which is which I think is ridiculous. But the fight wasn't at, like, middleweight. That's, yeah, that's, but that's, it's, that's it's not, mate. It's, the the sanctioning <laughs> body should go, well, hang on a minute. You've gone up in weight. You're not our champion anymore. Let's open it up and let's give well, other people an opportunity. Absolutely, that should be the conversation. But, of course, you know. The, the the counter to that was he, he tried he dared to be great he tried to go out to his and I comfort zone and do something special and I, and I commend it as well he had the opportunity to do something nobody in history has ever done and that's be a simultaneous two weight world champion I just think when he goes away when he when he gets back to his huge mansion in Dallas with his sprawling metropolis football pictures and the swimming pools and the incredible lifestyle that he lives and he looks himself in the mirror. Is he going to be that asked? No. Is he that I, like? Listen, no. it's easy the to ball, say the, no because no, he's no, a boxer, he's a fighter. He got into this game. The two of them got into this game. You know, you can't be solely motivated by money. That's a big factor, but part of it's got to be legacy. Part of it's got to be when you're a little kid, you don't put the gloves on and go. One day I'm going to be a multi-millionaire. I can't believe. I, I think early on, of course, it's got to be. To, I want to be a world champion. I want to leave a legacy. I want to fight Canelo and make a name for myself. And in his moment, when the moment come, I don't think he can look himself in the mirror and go, you know what? Fuck me, kid. You left it all in there. You, had, you left it all in there. There's nothing else I could have done. I think there was a moment, and I think it was when he took the knee, hmm. when he literally went, oh, man, I'll just cash this check. It's a shame. And the reason why maybe I'm speaking so harsh is because... Because he's fucking good. He's very good. And he's got the talent, he's got the ability, he just didn't have the belief. And that's true. He just didn't he didn't believe. Part of the rhetoric in the build-up, you know, in, in, in with, with with him and his whole whole team was well, Canelo used to be a, a 154er. We're bigger. When we get in, you know, after the after the other press thing, he did he, there was an interview with him then and he was like, mate, I thought he'd be bigger. Everyone says he's a monster, but he's not even that big, and blah blah. And I think he convinced himself that. Power for power, strength for strength, he was going to be able to live with him. I think he gets in there, and Canelo often does this, and a few fighters have said this in the past, that 
when you get in the cage with him, he's not only is he spiteful and incredibly accurate, but he's a heavy-handed motherfucker. Don't forget, he's got that flat head at the back of his head, Canelo Annie, which has got gives you that fucking weird strength. And I think fighters realise. I think Charlo's ass went a little bit in there. I think Charlo went, "Fuck me, never been it like that before." And, and listen, that that that's what that's what forced him to take a knee before he got hurt anymore. But it, I I honestly think that was the moment when he checked out the fight. Hmm. Um, what's next? So what's next for my opinion? What's next for Charlo? Come back down to one five four. Give Terence Crawford the opportunity. Yeah, you might as well keep rolling the dice on super fights. If you're the if okay, you stepped up. To, there's an argument that you could say, right? I stepped up two weights, came up short. It's not my weight division. I fought one of the best on the planet. Job rate, okay, okay, sound. Take yeah. the guy from 147 then on next. Yeah, let him come up. Let's make that super fight undisputed versus undisputed. You might as well keep rolling. There's an awful lot of cash in that, and a lot of people would like to see it. Crawford versus Jamel Charlo at 154 for your belts absolutely should be the next move from a Charlo point of view. From a you- Canelo, from a Canelo point of view. All these boxing fans that are saying, I want to see Crawford in with uh, Canelo. Hang on a minute. What are you talking about? The guy from 154 has just gone up and failed dramatically. Now, I fully believe that Crawford would have a go. Absolutely have a go. He'd he'd make a far better fist of it than Jamel Charlo because he's just that, he's built that way. But you're asking the guy from 147 now to go up and have a go. In fact, a guy that's really a 140 to go up and have a go. Come on, man. Let's get real about it. Crawford Charlo is the next move. The only fight for Canelo where there might be someone throwing something back and causing him a little bit of havoc, David Benavidez. That's the fight. You could probably sell me the Morel fight. You could probably sell me that because I rate that guy very, very highly. But from a blockbuster, Mexico, all Mexico fight, a guy that could genuinely beat Canelo in his weight division, let's have a go with David Benavidez. That's the fight to make. Yeah, I think Canelo's talked about that in the past, hasn't he? But kind of distanced himself from it. I don't think he likes fighting other Mexicans for obvious reasons because he unites the nation, doesn't he? The nation are behind Canelo, um, which is honourable of him. But when you're fighting guys two weight divisions below you and they're turning up and you're basically controlling it from start to finish, doing what you want, there's got to be that attraction. Like we talked about this fight. Why did this fight get made? It got made because there was a headline, undisputed versus undisputed. That's what that's what Canelo needs to have. With all due respect, he's got what half a, three, four, maybe five fights at the very most. And three is probably more accurate than he before he retires two or three fights. The you have any real yieldrums of this world in a distant memory. It's about the biggest fights possible, the biggest fights humanly possible. Now, whether that's going back up again and rolling that dice with say Batebiev, if he comes through against Callum Smith, maybe the Bivol rematches there for him. But you're right, back in this one weight division, it's got to be Benavidez. You know, I know Jamal, Jamal Charlo was there at the cage side the other day, but at ringside on Saturday night. But even Jamal said he, he's nowhere near my camp. I don't want him anywhere near me because he brings too much chaos. So he, he's not in the right frame of mind to be stepping up against anyone. And look at what his, his twin brother couldn't lay a glove on Canelo Hardly. So I hardly want to see the older brother by one minute take, lay, try and lay a glove on him either. What I think we've discovered this year is of, of these. Elite world champions, there's the daddy group, there's the group just above, and that contains the Canelos, the Crawfords, the Inoues, mm. and the likes of Charlo and Fulton and Spence are a layer cake below them. Do you know what I mean? That, that's what we've discovered this year, in all brutal honesty. I know Charlo mm. stepped up two weights, 
and it, it's harsh to judge him in that manner. But these are the legacy-defining fights that all six of those combatants have had this year. And Crawford won easy. Inoue won easy. Canelo won easy. Moving forward, yeah, I, I think Crawford would be magnificent. Crawford moving up to take on Charlo. But I, need, I think even Crawford's come up now and gone, tainted goods now. You know what I mean? You, you've just got your ass handed to you. So if yeah, I come up and do the same thing, it's like, well, Canelo's already damaged him, kid. There's nothing left to damage. So, yeah. yeah. Disappointing main the, event. Yeah, it was. Incredibly disappointing main event. I suppose for Crawford, there is that I could go up and do it in a, another weight division and unify everything up there once again. There is that, yes. I suppose. Um, yeah. As I said at the start of the show, mate, Mario Barrios, uh, for me, was uh, the best performer on this particular card and yeah. a card that you've rightfully pointed out was the most competitive, really good card. I thought pre-fight, listen, I'm going to be honest, I picked Ugas. I like Ugas. I think he's a, a slick operator. I've seen Barrios uh, fall short in lower weight divisions, of course. I thought maybe... Will 147 suit him? Well, yeah, absolutely. 147 does suit him. He's looked okay to this point, stepped up against Ugas. Ugas has been there, done it and got the T-shirt. Maybe he is, you know, being an elder statesman of the division that you look to, okay, maybe he's coming to the, the end of end of a great run. Still picked him, though, because I think he's a really good slickster. But Barrios not only dropped him twice, completely outboxed him. He was brilliant. Really, really good. He was outstanding. And, um, you know, there were... There was an element of did he catch Ugas at exactly the right time, or does that unfairly take something away from Barrios's performance? Because as you say, Barrios has had losses before. Okay, his losses were t for Tank, and yeah. then when he first stepped up to this weight division for the first time, he lost against Keith Thurman. There's no shame in that either. Mm -hmm. Either, but this was a big moment for him. This was a big step up. Ugas, a former world champion, lost his belt, of course, to Errol Spence after he beat Manny Pacquiao. So. I fancied Ugas for it as well, but Barrios, I think he was outstanding from start to finish. What, did he drop him in the first or the second round? And second. then... Yeah, second just, and 12th. Just butchered yeah. him up, chopped Ugas up. And Ugas, very strong, slick operator, but Barrios was just on it. Absolutely on it. What I don't get is, though, Barrios wins, and I'm like, mate, that's fucking fantastic. And next thing you know, he's got a WBC World Champion T-shirt on, a WBC World Champion baseball cap on. He's dripping in, I'm WBC World Champion. And it was a fucking interim title fight. I'm like, this sport, man, that fucking organisation making me want to vomit. <laughs> Sorry, Maurizio, but fuck you. It's Yeah. And you've only just um, crowned. You've only just brought that whole division together, haven't you? It's not like they've been inactive, Mr. Spence and Mr. Crawford. They've, they've, they've oh. literally just done the fight. So Tim's Crawford's ringside going like, hey, <laughs> the fucking belt's in my ma's house. The belt's on my mum's fucking washing machine right now. You being world champion. <laughs> I'd love it if he kept it on his mum's washing machine. That would be outstanding from Crawford. <laughs> right, let's talk about judging. Because oh, but mate, I'm, mate, come on. I'm so angry on a Monday. What are you doing? <laughs> what made it worse was she was sitting right there, wasn't she? In a big pink jacket, just a beacon of shite. Just a big <laughs> beacon of utter shiteness sitting ringside at the boxing. And because I, I knew I knew by then, because obviously as soon as there's a bad scorecard anywhere in the world, I just get bombarded on social media with get her on the list, get her on the list. So I'm watching this fight knowing full well she's about to deliver a card. I'm going to go berserk over. 
Okay. So as much as I'm watching Lubin and, and 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 Jesus go at it, and I'm watching Jesus take him to school for eight rounds, let's be honest, he he pisses it. The, the, yeah. Every stat they come up with on the commentary team, they're like, yeah, he's he's outstruck him like 90, 90 punters to face to one. And all this, and it's like he just battered them for eight rounds. Ninety punches. Then, I like that. I think. I think the end stat was something like one hundred and thirty-six to thirty. It was. It was. What it was crazy. It was just, mad. Wide. It's insane. And it was only because down the stretch, Ramos took his foot off and coasted the last four rounds. They were the only. Yeah. They were probably the only rounds I would have even give to Lubin. He won eight rounds easy. And I'm watching it, and I'm looking at Patricia Moore's German, and I'm watching her writing stuff down. And I'm like, you cannot be sick because because obviously I've got a scorecard in front of me then. And I'm like, you're giving that. I know you're giving that round to Lubin right now, when he's just he's just been battered. Jesus has just basically saved him. He's just literally battered him for three minutes. Lubin's doing nothing but running, pot shot and single shots. What he did through nothing but a one-two all night. Ramos worked him over, head to body, the full thing. Honestly. The rea- I think the reaction post-fight when the scorecards are read out and then they went, Ericsson Lubin. I think Ramos Jr. and his team were just like, eh? <laughs> like flabbergasted. That's why there was no, that's why there wasn't murder. That's why it didn't all kick off. Because I think they were just like, no, 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 this guy's, his name's Jesus. Wait, wait. Everyone just seemed shell-shocked in there. Yeah. It was absolutely horrific daylight robbery. Lubin's corner at the end of the fight when Ramos went over to him before the scorecards are read out. Lubin's corner going, mate, you're a hell of a fighter. Congratulations. You're a hell of a fighter. They knew. Honestly, uh, that was one of the worst robberies I've ever seen. Patricia Morse Jarman, my dear, that was absolutely horrific. Virgin on corruption. You have made the list. Terrible, wasn't it? How did you, did, did you see it the same way? Oh yeah, Jesus won easy. The the I think the surprising thing for me is, and and you've just singled out one judge. I actually look at them all, and yeah, they can only agree on four rounds out of twelve. Mate, it's mad. They they they're they're unanimous in four of those twelve rounds. Where I thought it was quite a piece of piss to score. Yeah, maybe it's us, mate. Maybe it's us. Patricia, she scored the fight. She went. Um, I'm just having a quick look at her scorecard now. So for the, she went. Lubin, Jesus, Lubin, Jesus, Lubin, Jesus, Lubin. For the first seven rounds, she just went. You have one. 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 And then she went. Oh wait a minute, the PBC guy. Sorry, yeah. Lubin, 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 Lubin. It was just absolutely atrocious, honestly. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for the sport of boxing. That's how bad those three scorecards were. 117, 111, the widest scorecard out of them all. Miss Jarman's scorecard. That should have been Ramos Jr.'s scorecard. Yeah, the other way, yeah. He pissed it. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. It's not just British judges, kids. This is deep-rooted in the sport. Can we can we do Gassy of Walling then? Seeing as that you're on judging, get that. Can we get that out the way before then you start moaning probably about matchmaking on British soil? Man, <laughs> this cut the short day. Oh, mate. Luckily, mm. luckily we've got Wood Warrington coming up at the weekend. Yes, kids, right. Yeah. 
Luckily, we've got a bit of that to get excited about. And, and Ramirez is fighting Smith, isn't he, over in the States. So we've got that to get excited about too. Um, Gassiev Wallin. Again, another fight that I thought Gassiev, pre-fight, I thought Gassiev had come through. He's, yeah. He was a brilliant Pre- cruiserweight. And he's obviously making his, his stint now at heavyweight. And I thought to myself, yeah, all right, Gassiev, it's a great piece of matchmaking. I think it's a... a uh, a, a top fight for this stage of where he's currently at in the heavyweight division. Uh, and he could make a little bit of a statement here. Got it massively wrong because Otto Wallen was brilliant. Jab, right hook, lip, that basically kept it very basic, as you said at the start of the show, just kept it very simple, jabbed his head off. And then when the opportunity pre- uh, presented itself, he landed big right hooks. I thought maybe he could have actually put his foot down a touch when yeah. I think he stung him in the seventh or the eighth or something like that. He had him rocking and rolling, didn't he? And I thought, go yeah. on then, really go for it and 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 take him out. I thought maybe he could have gone a little bit harder and maybe let some combinations go, but he he was just worried about what was coming back the other way, wasn't he? But I can't fault it. Thought no. he was brilliant. The only thing I can fault is 117-111 to Murat Gassiev. Back over to you for somebody else that might just make your list. Mate, this cunt is definitely making the list. <laughs> now, the, re- the replay I watched was on YouTube. And it was, okay. I don't know if it's still on there now, but it was on YouTube the whole 12 rounds and literally right on the bell at the 12th round, the the uh, the, rec- the the video, the recording, the, U- the YouTube video where it ended. So had, I didn't get to hear the three scores read out and more importantly, who those judges were. But thankfully, a good friend of mine, one of the best out there, gave me a little bit of a note and said, hey, it was Matteo Montella from Italy that delivered the 117-111 in favour of Morak Gassayev. Just like um, Miss German over in Las Vegas. Look at your face. That is not. <laughs> look, all the colours coming out of your face, no. man. <laughs> that is not a poor scorecard. That is no. a corrupt no. scorecard. Because there's no way on God's green earth Murat Gassiev deserved to beat him and certainly didn't deserve to beat him by six rounds. Like that scorecard, 117-111. That needs to be investigated. Matteo Montella needs to be investigated. He needs to be dragged over the coals. There needs to be a conversation, whether it's the Turkish boxing governing body, whether it's a state governing body, whether it's anything. Someone has got to park him to one side and go, explain that. What the fuck are you watching? Mm. Because Gassayev did nothing but eat a jab for 12 rounds. He, he plodded, he, he, he tried to cut the ring off. He was on the front foot. He was pushing Wallen. And what it looked like was a little a, a, a cruiserweight coming up to heavyweight and meeting a genuine modern-day heavyweight in regards to the fact that Otto Wallen is, you know, six and a half foot. Yeah. And these big six and a half foot heavyweights, which populate this weight division now, are tasty. And when you're a cru- natural cruiserweight coming up, Gassiev's a sensational cruiserweight, but there's a limit because of size. And Wallen all night, their game plan was perfect. This little guy's going to... Gassiev's a little fairy meatball. He's going to come forward like he does, like a little fiery wombat. And all you've got to do is bang him with that jab. That right-hand jab, sorry, is a southpaw. Bang, bang, bang. And Wallen did. He pumped out that jab. He must have threw a billion jabs over the 12 rounds. And... Not they're all different jabs as well. Some are little range finders, some are little offsetters, some are power jabs. And you're right, every now and again he'd just go jab left hand at the end of it. And then after the after the halfway through, when he started winning the fight, well, started racking up rounds, I should say, mm. 
He then started throwing a lovely little right hook step away at the end as well. So that little combination worked every time. Jab, 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 jab. Every now and again, jab, left hand, right hook, and away I'm going out the back door. And Gassiev had no reply for it whatsoever. He rocked him a few times with it. Gassiev showed he had a great chin. On the occasion when he landed, Wallen showed that he's got a good chin as well. But Wallen was on the back. When you're that big, you can stay on the back foot and watch everything coming in. Jab, jab, jab. Even when Gassiev jumped forward, Wallen's already pulling back, pulling away from the shot. So he's not taking any real shots. Honestly, I thought it was magnificent. Even the two 115, 113s, I think they were. Even those two scorecards, I thought, were incredibly kind on Gassiev. Yeah. I had Wallen win probably eight rounds. Yeah, I had it 116, like, 112. I thought he coasted it. So even those scorecards were close. But for Matteo Montella to score this 117, 111 in favour of Gassiev is absolutely despicable. Despicable. So, yeah. That prick makes the list as well. I don't care if I can't go to Italy anymore. That prick's on the list because that scorecard needs an investigation. If we had the governing body in this sport, they'd be busy this weekend, I'm telling you, because there's two scorecards there on the same weekend in two different countries that are absolutely beyond incompetent, virgin on. Who the fuck is Brown Envelope and who? Shocking. Shame on you, Mr. Montella. You've been out of bitch. Does that performance put off promoters from putting their top boys in with Wallen, do you think? Well, I think I think everyone's been put off by putting their top boys in with Wallen anyway, following his performance against Tyson Fury. Because, you know, the, the Fury performance, um, anybody else other than Tyson Fury, new, newly signed with top rank, was selling them to the American audience, get stopped that night. We were there. Tyson yeah. required 47 stitches, I think the report was. Um, everyone else is getting stopped. But since then, he's he's gone away from home, beat Travis Kaufman. He's gone away from home, beat Dominic Brazil. He's gone away from home, beat Rydell Booker. You know, he's gone away from home, beat Ologun. Now he's gone away from home again in Turkey. He's beat Morak Gassiev. Otto Wallen's a proper dude. He's a proper top 10 heavyweight. Make no mistake. I'd love to see him fight AJ. I'd love to see him fight anybody of that caliber. But no one's going to take him willingly. That's the problem he's got. Yeah. Because he can fight, man. He can really fight. And he didn't get, even though he was racking up rounds, I say, second half of the fight, he went a little bit more front foot. He added that little right check, right hook at the end of the straight left hand. He was working it a little bit more. And that's mm -hmm. maybe when Gassiev had a bit more success because Wallen was going front foot. But then when Gassiev did have it, might have landed something, the crowd get going. It was just like Otto was like, oh, okay, I'll just go back to what I was doing before then. Eat that jab. Left hand. He could have done that all night against Gassiev, all night. He was excellent. Fought the type, obviously listened to his corner. Don't get greedy. You get success, go back to what was working before. Wallen's a, a problem for anyone in the heavyweight division, I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start on the domestic scene? Well, let's let's start. Let's finish on a high. Let's finish on Jayopatai and we can get excited about what comes next for him. So let's start with let's start with the show, but your call. Okay. Because cool. I thought uh Vidal Riley, as we predicted on Thursday, just a bit too cute, bit too talented for for uh Nathan Corliss. It was a good 10 rounds for them both, but I do like Vidal Riley. I like the trajectory that he's on. Good win for him that as well. Uh, and then after that, the only other fight I watched, I've got to be honest with you, was the main event where Caroline Dubois did Caroline Dubois things. 
Yeah. Um, on Riley, I like him. Hmm? I know that I know that when he came into boxing, people were maybe harsh on him because of connections with the YouTube world and all this type of stuff. And that that path, I suppose, was open to the lad. You know, he's he's big in that world, isn't he? He could have quite easily gone down the KSI route and fighting the Paul brothers and all this. But what obviously people didn't know at the time or uh, weren't aware of is that he's got a good pedigree and he's he wants to do it the traditional way. This is obviously an English title fight. Yeah. Um, with a, with the name and profile that he's got, I'm sure he could rush the situation and he could be at a fighting at a higher level, but he's doing it properly. Uh, and I take my hat off to that. I think I've been, I say, yeah, I've been lucky enough to see his last two performances um, live and he's definitely making those improvements. And as we highlighted last week, Corliss, who's a very talented boxer, didn't have the pop to put him off. And that was kind of the tale of the fight. Uh, Riley was just better. He won every moment of the fight. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing this type of trajectory continue. Let's not rush. I think Isaac Chamberlain, uh, Mikhail Lawal, as a fight, the winner of that is something that Vidal Riley should be making noise for. Absolutely. Uh, and hopefully those types of fights, British level, European level, Commonwealth level, before we start talking uh, about a very exciting cruiserweight division. Uh-huh. Uh, on the domestic scene is uh, is where Vidal Riley should be going. So no problem with him whatsoever. Um, I actually thought, I know that you just said that Caroline Dubois did Caroline Dubois things. I actually thought that this was the most entertaining Caroline Dubois fight that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Because the kid that she was in against, Magali Rodriguez, had a go. Yeah. She, you know, and even when it was quite evident that Caroline was winning the fight quite comfortably at certain points, Magali didn't give up on herself. She kept no throwing, sense. she kept having a go, and she she cracked her a couple of times on the whiskers. She she asked Caroline some questions, and what I liked about it is that I got to see Caroline take a couple of licks, get angry, and go, no, you little fucker, what are you doing? It's in me, back. I'm going to put this on you now. I liked a lot of the things that I saw about Caroline because it's been easy. It's been a coast, and I've been angry about the matchmaking to a certain level. And okay, this at the weekend... Uh, you could class it as a step up, even though Magali has fallen short at the top, top level. Uh, I liked everything that I saw about Caroline Dubois. And the thing that I liked the most about it, more so than taking licks and dishing it out and, and putting on a, a solid enough performance, is that when she got on the microphone, she didn't waste it. I don't know what it was like on the TV. We obviously covered this on the radio. But mm-hmm. on the radio, she went straight in for Michaela Meyer and she said, I will knock her out. Bring me Michaela Meyer and I will knock her out. Said, I'm a, I think, what is he, 24 years of age? I'm a 24 year old. I've not got my full woman strength yet. I will, I just loved all, I loved all the chat that she did post fight because traditionally you think a Dubois quite quiet on the microphone. Her brother's quite quiet on the microphone. She's been quiet in the past, but nah, man, she grabbed all of that microphone and she went, listen, enjoyed that. She gave me a bit. I showed that I can bite down and do what I need to do and still come through. I'm ready for the top girls now. Bring me Michaela Meyer. I will knock her out. <laughs> Sam, Caroline. Yeah. I'm fucking, I'm fucking all in. Yeah, exactly. And, and she had to do that. She's got to create those headlines because, you know, with all due respect, and I think Rodriguez did, did come and did have a good go and asked some questions about, Dan, about Caroline. And that's what I needed to see after t- over 10 rounds. I want to see her starting to be asked questions. And it was a, a still she's below world level 
But then this is not a this wasn't a proper world title fight, so that's fine. But the fact that she's generating headlines by and, and that's an intelligent call out as well. Like mm. I'd made, I hadn't seen that interview or heard that interview, but I've made a note saying I watched Rihanna Dixon over the other side of London cruise to a European title in the same weight division and win every round. And I was gonna go, well, that's the fight. Dubois versus Dixon. Let's put a little bit of you know credit where the European title lies. That's mm-hmm. a proper fight, an all-British girl fight. Let's see that happen. But if she's already talking about Michaela Meyer, Michaela Meyer, as we know, through her links with Top Rank, they've already got a good relationship with Sky. She's been on Sky doing all kinds of commentary in the past, Michaela Meyer. So that's a fight that could easily be made. So that's an intelligent call-out. And hopefully it's a call-out that's been felt out and gone, okay, would Mika- yep, Michaela's receptive to it. Sound. Make sure you call it out. We'll build something on Sky. That's a massive fight in 2024. And that's what she needs. She needs proper fights now because she's so good, Caroline Dubois. You know, you'd even maybe even argue she's above Rihanna Dixon's level. What I would say is European titles worth so it's worth more than an IBO belt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against her going in that direction, but still, yeah. I thought she looked she looked great. I expected her to do what she did. I like how aggressive she is. I like how she goes to the body as much as the head. She doesn't just headhunt. And I like the fact that she's um really coming into her own a little bit now as well. I know there's been some family issues there and everything else, mm-hmm. but I feel like, like Daniel, like the wings are clipped a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Right. When, when the father figures there and all that, it's like, you know, don't want to upset dad. Dad says this, dad says that. I know there's been a split and everything else in the family, which is incredibly sad, but what it's done, it's allowed Caroline, I feel to just spread the wings and go, right. I'm me. And I'm just going to be me. And we're seeing a true personality come out now, and it's infectious. I like her. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's nothing really to talk about about the rest of that card, if I'm dead honest, mate. Um, no. And that's and that's maybe where my head's at um, for the for both of these domestic cards, the boxer card and the matchroom card. Going into it, there was not that much excitement factor because I didn't see any jeopardy anywhere. And everything that we anticipated kind of played out the way it was. Okay, yeah. Rodriguez had to go back at Dubois, but Dubois came through quite comfortably. Yeah. Vidal Riley, Qualis didn't have the pop to won put him off. Round. Won every round. Vidal Riley won the whole thing. Callum Obviously. Simpson won every round. Yeah. You know, there was, put, there was probably, uh, if it wasn't for Magali Rodriguez at the end, maybe pinching a, a couple of rounds from Caroline, it would have been a whitewash event. Yeah, yeah I've got something for you, right? Check this out. So I always have a little bit of a look to see where there's value. Um, if you put in, if you put in a few quid down on the fights, accumulators and all that type of stuff, obviously I was looking at the Canelo fight originally. And then I thought, go on then I'll have a little bit of a look at what's going on on the, on the boxer card. And I put on a treble, uh, Simpson, Riley, Dubois. What do you reckon the odds were? I reckon you owe them money, even though it all came in. (laughs) I didn't put it on because it was that pathetic, but, for every pound that you put on that that treble, they'll give you twenty p back. That was the level of uh, of jeopardy yeah. in that. Uh, <clears throat> listen, it doesn't, it doesn't get much better on the matchroom one. So I was going to say that would have been op- very similar, to be honest. Op- Opatia, uh, Scottney, Dixon. I think I even put uh, Chev Clark in it as well. For every pound that you put on that, they'll give you forty p back. There you go, kids. That's the level. Of jeopardy in the uh, on the domestic scene at the weekend. 
Um, well, we start, we started the show by talking about how strong the card was in Las Vegas, how the fact that, you know, Frank's just revealed a decent card, that Magnificent Seven card. Okay, it might not yeah. have the big names on it, but there's seven actual you know, fights on one card. And, yeah. I, and again, I, I relay back to the, conver- the the interview that Eddie did last week where he was like, mate, we've got to do better. And I agree, Eddie. We've been saying that for seven years. Like, you've got to do better. These cards need to be better in boxing. And this card on, on Saturday night, the, the Jayotaya Jordan Thompson card, you know, there was, ni- I, there was nine fights on the card. And what we got, not scheduled, what we got because of fights ending early and whatever, we got 61 rounds of boxing. Okay. Do you know how many rounds were won by the visiting corner, the away corner, the challenger corner, the, the non-matchroom corner? Out of 61? 61 rounds. We got 61 rounds. I assume it's single figures, mate. Three. Fucking hell. I was going to go nine. Fucking yeah. three? Jeez. Basil Ducar won one round against Shevin Clark. And uh, Gina Jorniak won the first two rounds. Oh, no, it wasn't Jorniak, sorry. Uh, Martina Bernil won the first two rounds against Maisie Rowe Courtney. If it wasn't for those, it would have been a complete whitewash. Shit. You know, Ibrahim Suleiman won every round. Jimmy Sainz won every round. George Lillard won every round. R- Shannon Ryan won every round. Ellie Scottney uh, won every round. Yeah. Rihanna Dixon lost won every round. Chevron yeah. Clark lost one round. J.R. Pattaya won every round. Yeah. No the headline, and the, arg- the argument coming back will be two world title fights and a European title fight. Yeah, but come on, man. Exactly. We know the truth. We know the yeah. truth. The standard of competition is 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 shocking. Um, listen, let's let's talk about the main event because again, the focus is going to be on Jayapataya. It would be easy to dig out Jordan Thompson, but that kid is what he is. He's he's a domestic level, potentially European level fighter, and he's gone in and against Jayapataya. Okay, and I'll stand by what I said. Both these guys currently as pros are built on the legacy of one performance. Jayapataya beaten nobody in twenty one fights until he fought. Marius Breedis and stood Breedis on his head and became the world number one, the IBF Cruiserweight champion. But we, there was the, that was it. And likewise, Jordan Thompson got this opportunity on the back of a of a good domestic win, but very domestic win yeah. over Luke Watkins. And listen, we know what it was. It was a showcase for Jai Opatia's British, the British audience to see Jai Opatia Matchroom's new signing. Potentially isn't a a lot of cruiserweights available to match rooms. Put the hand up. Jordan Thompson did put his hand up, and Jordan Thompson went, "Yeah, man, yeah. I'll fucking fight the champ. Why not? Good for you, Jordan Thompson. Absolutely. When an opportunity comes, you put your hand up and you go for it. Especially when you can punch. You know, when you've got a puncher's chance, you've always got a bit of a chance. The problem was 10, 15, 30 seconds into the fight, you were like, Mate. "Oh god, oh god, yeah, dangerous." Because Big, stiff, moving back in straight lines, chin up in the air, Jayapatai is bouncing everywhere like a little feral animal, and you're like, oh, my God, the writing's on the wall already. Could have been stopped after two rounds, in my opinion. Mate. Jeez. My take on it's slightly different. Opataya, as... Listen, we did an interview uh, with Jay Opataya, and I encourage people to go and have a little bit of a nosy at it. It's on uh, our YouTube channel. Phenomenal dude. Really interesting takes on so many different things. Um, and I just wanted to kind of showcase his personality and it's on our YouTube channel. Go and check it out. He, as I said on the show last week, he 
uh, his fight at the Olympic Games in 2012 was one of the first fights that I ever covered uh, mm -hmm. in boxing. And he was 17 years of age then. He qualified as a 16-year-old. He's got a brilliant amateur background. You're right to point out, obviously, as a professional, never. this is the first time that he's left Australia uh, as a pro. And I hadn't yeah. really fought anybody up until Bredis. But Bredis was the business, mate. He was the number one. They don't give ring magazine belts away. Bredis earned it. And Opataya absolutely took it off him. And he did it, breaking his jaw twice, battling through that situation and, and, and beating him quite comfortably on points uh, in the end. Now, Jordan, the Jordan Thompson fight has come around. And again, you can't take anything away from Jordan Thompson. But you had Masternak. Well, you had a fight. I can't remember who the person was before Masternak. But there was one that it didn't materialize because Opatai was injured and he needed his shoulder sorting out. Masternak was then ordered to fight uh, Opatai. Didn't fancy it. Pulled out. You then had the situation with Richard Riakpoa. Uh, he They were pulled out the purse bid for the Opatai fight. So then, Opataya, in between all that, signs for Matchroom, and Matchroom are like going, well, fucking hell, we need to get your fight, mate. We need to do something. What about this guy? As you rightfully say, a showcase for Opataya, for the British audience, or for a, what the, the zone audience, the Matchroom audience, whatever it was, it was that type of showcase. But from a Jordan Thompson point of view, in all reality, he should never have been there. No. He should absolutely never have been there. Look at the level of opponents that he has fought to that point. Never fought for a British title area, any area titles, British titles or anything like that. He got one of them bullshit IBF European nonsense rankings that you pay sanctioning fees for that get boost your rankings and get you into a situation where it can become viable that you fight for a world title. And as you rightfully said, it was evident after 30 seconds, the lad was massively out of his depth massively out of his depth. The, 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 it was a gigantic mismatch. Personally, after round three, I don't send that lad back out. No. If I'm, I'm like, mate, not tonight, lad. Now, I'm, I'm led to believe, I didn't hear the corner, but I'm led to believe that Tony Sims said to him, I'm giving you One three round. more minutes. He did I'm, giving you, I'm giving you three more minutes. That's it. But for me, it was done. The lad got absolutely lit up to fucking that third round. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Nah, not tonight, mate. Come on. Out you come. I'd have pulled it there. <clears throat> I'll be honest. When um, I, I'm going to defend Tony Sims here in that moment because I, going back to the corner at the end of round three, I'm like, get him out. Get yeah. him out. He's getting lit up. He's getting hit. Stop the fight now. And he goes back to the corner. He sits in the corner. And all the signals are bad. He's looking out the ring. He's, he's not he's not having any eye contact with Tony Sims. The cut man's got two cotton buds right up his nose, soaking the blood up, cleaning the blood away, and he's looking away and he's looking round and he and he and he and he's in distress. He's in yeah. distress because he's never faced anything like this before because this yeah. is, he's jumped up now to the top of the tree, and Tony Sims starts talking to him, and I think Tony Sims's mind then is because you've got a minute, so use the minute. You know, don't make a rash decision. So Tony Sims is talking to him. There's no attention, there's no and there's no focus. And I think in that moment, Tony Sims is, he says something. And he says to Jordan Thompson, You're not going to quit on me, are you? And I think that was more of a, a, a how was he because he's still finding out about Jordan Thompson. You know, this this you need to know about certain things about your fighter. Are you gonna quit on me or you're not gonna quit on me? He says something of that nature. And Jordan Thompson in that moment goes, boom, locks icon to attack with Tony Sims and goes, I ain't quitting, I ain't quitting. And suddenly grows again. 
and his body his body language changes completely. And I swear to God, I think that response, that body language change is the only okay. reason why he gets sent out. Because I think that was a critical moment in the corner. And he goes, no, I'm not quitting. And he goes, right, okay. And he starts talking to him again about, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And he's attentive now. And he's going, yeah, yeah. And he's focused. And I'm like, okay, I get why you're sending him out. I, you know, I, I'm like you, just stop it. Because the writing was on the wall. But he goes, you've got three minutes. I'm giving you three more minutes, kid. Go back out there. And I think it was because Jordan Thompson's response to that question. Okay. And he Fair. goes, yeah, I'm all right. So I'm going to defend Tony Sims in this situation. Obviously, it's easy now to go, yeah, but he got stopped in the fourth round, so he should have been stopped. Yeah, okay, I get that. But Jordan Thompson's a kid with without too much experience. You know, he wasn't this elite amateur. He's only had 15 professional fights, and this was a step up. And I think mm -hmm. in the heart of hearts of that team, they knew this was a, a step too far. But it's like, this is an opportunity for you to get in the big fight, to feel what it's like at the top of the tree. And then you can go and work on down the gym and go, well, I've been in with Jaya Pattaya now. So I know what it feels like to be, I know where the pinnacle is. I know how far I've got to go. So I think that for all those reasons, they send them back out. But I think the stoppage was was absolutely spot on from Howard Foster because as soon as he landed again, it was like, yeah, I've had enough. This is over. Alpatai is the best cruiserweight on the planet, mate. Yeah. Listen, man, you know, that's not necessarily built on the four rounds against Jordan Thompson. No, no, that's no. on the performance against Marius Breedus. Because yeah. the Breedus one was easy to go, ah, oh, fucking hell. Breedus was getting Super Mario tattoos on his ass and everything to try and get Jake Paul to fight him. Like, he wasn't focused on boxing. But it's too easy to use that excuse now because Jai Pattaya has just turned up and took on a domestic level opponent Blitzing. and absolutely wiped the floor with him. And you go, well, you're the guy. You are the guy. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. That the only frustrating thing is we've got a plethora of very high-level cruiserweights in this country, yet the sign with a different promoter, sign with a different TV network, and the yeah. fights that we should be getting, i.e. Apatia versus Billum Smith, Apatia versus Riakpour, Apatia versus Lawrence O'Coley. I don't think we're going to get them. No. Um, I'm not against Bredis Part 2. It's been ordered by the IBF, so I think that that's the direction that uh, this yeah. is going to take. And I'm I'm delighted if Opatay can get that back on, back in Australia. That's what he wants to do. He wants to grow uh, everything in Australia, and you can't begrudge that. He's got a big fan base there, and he wants to he wants to do it in front of his home fans. So mm -hmm. listen, he's with the right promoter because they've made footprints, haven't they? In in Australia, yeah. they've put some cards on there already. Uh, so hopefully they can deliver for him because he's a very, very special talent. He's got the right attitude um, and he's got a fucking shitload of skill, man. It's uh, He he went through the gears frighteningly. Uh, I'm led to believe as well. Completely unsurprisingly, he's been brought in by Fury, hasn't he? As a you just partner. took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> You've just took the words right out of my mouth. Um, very unsurprising. <laughs> yeah, the lad, because he's, more, he's, a, he's a short, mobile uh, southpaw. Mm -hmm. who's very, very uh, technically good, but he's also good at punching up. Look at the size of fucking Jordan Thompson. Yeah. And look how we took him out. So I think he'll give Fury a lot of good looks for that Usyk fight, definitely. Yeah. Uh, very wise decision to bring him in. Um, anything else you want to highlight? No, as I say, it was one-way traffic, unfortunately. Completely one-way traffic, the entire card. So, you know, I think uh, Rihanna Dixon was great. I thought that was, for me, that was the fight on the undercard where I thought, okay, Fandes is no joke. That, that's a good step up for her. But Rihanna Dixon, 
one every round and one every round easy. So, but that was again that was the theme of the entire undercard: overmatched mm. visitors. <laughs> theme of the entire weekend, it seems, mate. Uh, hopefully, it will not be uh, that case this week because uh, that card in Sheffield. Oh, hang on. Looks all right, yes. doesn't it? You know what I mean? You've got a nice main event there. You've got uh, Terry Harper against Cecilia Breakhouse as well. Yes, Breakhouse mm-hmm. is at the twilight of her career, but she's still the first lady. Mm-hmm. She knows what she's doing. Big good fight. And there's a couple of little things on there as well to uh, to highlight, of which we will do a little bit later on this week. All right? Uh, so make sure you come back for that. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Boxing Review Show. You can subscribe via our website, fightdisciples.com. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. We're trying to grow that community. So if you like to watch... Uh, your podcasts, come on, get all stuck on in and subscribe to the Fight Disciples on YouTube, and you'll never miss out on any of our content. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.